Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As we begin today, I just want to take a moment to extend our thoughts and prayers to our family, friends, clients, and coworkers in Florida with respect to the hurricane damage. I know it will take time to get back to normal, and we wish all of you a speedy recovery. So with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. And as a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, As always, if you have any questions or you need some more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, most of the major information related to jobs and the employment picture. Earlier in the week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported the job openings in the United States declined by roughly 1.1 million as of the end of August to settle in at 10.1 million, showing one sign of labor market softening. On Thursday, Initial unemployment claims for the week increased from previous levels to 219,000, although remaining fairly consistent with the past few months, reflecting the continued tight labor market. And finally, earlier today, the much-anticipated jobs report was released, showing new non-farm payrolls increased by 263,000, and the unemployment rate decreased to 3.5% from the prior month, both indicating continued strength in the employment market and potentially bad news for the markets as the Federal Reserve will likely continue raising interest rates while employment data remains strong. So George, let's start with you and your thoughts on the economic data and the markets. Well, I think Brian, it's been kind of a week where um, bad news is good and good news is bad. And we've seen a couple of things that kind of suggest that um, things are kind of slowing a little bit, but really I think the headline is that good news is bad news. Um, you know, this morning, this payroll report was pretty strong. Um, they had some positive revisions from the prior months too, but about 260 some thousand jobs were added in the past month. Um, I saw some really good strength in the um, leisure, hospitality, healthcare sectors, you know, two sectors that were displaced pretty abruptly by COVID. Uh, and they actually had some pretty strong gains. Um, wages did come down a little bit, but they're still pretty elevated. Uh, wages grew about 5%. I think the prior month it was 5.2%. Um, we actually, again, earlier this week saw some, some, some bad news that was kind of good in the sense that earlier in the week, uh, it looked like the number of job openings had actually contracted quite a bit. And that was something that I think the Fed's kind of watching with respect to where they're likely to take interest rates. And the number of job openings actually fell by over a million, which was the largest month-over-month decline since the pandemic. So it's, um, it's apparent that the, the labor market is slowing but uh, it's not slowing fast enough that doesn't really change the Fed's calculus, which suggests that interest rates are gonna be going up again. Um, so we've had this kind of churn in the market, 
I think it kind of sets up a little bit of um, our overall tactical allocation recommendations that we've had in place since early this spring, where you know, we've kind of felt that stocks and bonds are kind of moving together, uh, which kind of works both ways, both positively and negatively. Uh, but recently it's been on the negative side. But when we have days like we've seen some relief rallies, uh, stocks do quite well. And we've had a couple of days like that this week when we've got some relief from um, some certain economic data and certainly what happened over in the United Kingdom where some um, significant pressures were being felt there as well. But I think, um, you know, I think that the overall backdrop, again, we probably try to press upon people is that having a bit of cash right now is not a bad thing. It provides some uh, dry powder, some optionality on the road. And uh, at the mean in the meantime, we've got, again, kind of the situation where the labor market is still running, running pretty hot and the Fed is going to have to therefore raise rates again sometime uh, when they get together in early November. That's how I kind of see it, Rajiv. What are your thoughts about uh, today's report and what that might mean for the Fed going forward? Uh, well, this jobs number, George, I mean, it indicates a very sturdy labor market. Um, I think that puts in the inflation-focused Fed back on course. Um, 75 basis points in November, I think that is what the market is anticipating now, and this job numbers really supports it. Uh, the Fed needs a softening of the labor market to achieve that goal of uh, cooling wage growth and eventually uh, cooling down inflation. Uh, this last labor report that we've seen today is the last one the Fed's going to see before November. And uh, I think a fourth 75 base point rate hike in November is right on the table. The odds of that was 80% yesterday. It's probably 100% right now. Uh, Treasury yields have risen on this report, and the market now fully expects another 75 base point rate hike. So the Fed is not going to stop on this report. And I think this supports the Fed's agenda to uh, continue to raise rates uh, to combat inflation. And, and we've seen that. I mean, we need to see a uh, PCE or CPI report that's going to move in the right direction. And then maybe we'll see a technical rally in the markets if it moves in the right direction. If we see PCE closing, uh, cooling down a little bit. Uh, the, really, the only debate that I see in the market right now is what the Fed's going to do. Are they going to raise rates and stop sooner rather than later? If the market believes that the Fed is going to be done in December, that's great. We'll see a rally. Uh, however, the Fed is sticking to their messaging. Uh, we've seen that messaging being very consistent in Jackson Hole. Uh, the, Fed, the Fed chair, the Fed members, they're all saying that we need to get inflation back to 2%. The Fed's choice of measure is the PCE. We're going to get a good report of that. But that remains above expectations. And uh, unless it moderates in any way, I don't see how uh, this changes the Fed's messaging at all. It seems like we really do have a green light for the Fed to front, continue the front loading of these large scale interest rates or interest rate hikes with the, with this number today. I mean, there's nothing in the number today that, that suggests that we should see the Fed decrease the size uh, of, of what, of, of the hiking pattern. So, I mean, I think that that, the, the idea that they could be done in December is a, is a valid one, Rajiv. The, the thing that concerns me is that, you know, we are starting to see, and I think the equity market is smelling it out a little bit. Um, and certainly when you look at some of the trends and earnings or some of the pre-announcements coming out of semiconductor companies, um, the market's starting to smell out the fact that the Fed could be hiking into a recessionary slowdown. Um, and I, I think that's really what has kind of weighed on the, 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 the equity markets over the last two, three, four weeks. Um, we've seen earnings heading down and we've seen the multiple the, the investors are willing to pay for those earnings also heading lower at the same time. 
um, it, it really um, signals to me the market's worried about policy error um, in terms of the, the Fed going too, too far and, and hiking in a recessionary environment, similar to, it's really kind of a, a true Volcker moment back in the, the, the early 1980s when he was hiking into a recessionary slowdown. So some people are saying, Steve, and you've, <clears throat> you've talked about this too, uh, as well, Rajiv, but the notion that the Fed tightens until something breaks, that's been kind of this adage that people have talked about. And we've had these breakages before. Uh, I think we talked about this at the beginning of this year, actually, when we thought about the playbook for this year would be kind of similar to maybe 94, where the Fed was raising rates, trying to cool things down. And there were some accidents, right? There were things that happened. There's some shocks in the system. Back then, it was a, a big default, big bankruptcy. Uh, from a, a county in California. Uh, we've had episodes in the past in, in the late 90s, I guess, if you will, with the Asian crisis. Uh, the situation in Russia, of course, was around that time, time too, where, where Russia went into fault, basically. Um, and then we've had some other episodes along the, the, the path as well. So um, at what point, and I'll throw this out to either one of you, at what point does the Fed feel like something is broken, that they might have to at least kind of slow down the tightening? In other words, is this is this moment we saw in the kingdom last week, or two weeks ago rather, uh, a moment where the Fed might say, well, let's just hang on a second and let's kind of see what happens next before they go further. Is that, are we at that point yet? I think what's happened in the United Kingdom has kind of uh, given the market an opportunity to say, oh, they did it an about face and they completely changed their, uh, their policy. The Fed's gonna do the same thing. Um, the Fed, if we look at history, the Fed continues to do something until something breaks. They generally overshoot. They and I think we're going to see that again. I mean, I think the Fed's going to continue with what they're trying to do as far as taming the um, inflation story. They're going to stick with that. These jobs numbers completely support it, and they'll continue to do that. If you see some of the Fed members this week, their messaging was very clear. I mean, Kashkari came out and said that there's no evidence that inflation has peaked. He's the Minneapolis Fed chief and. He, they said there's no evidence that inflation has cheap as uh, as peaked. Bostic, the Atlantic Atlanta uh, Fed member, he came out and said it's very early right now. Nobody should be even thinking about a pause right now. Waller has but said the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. So the messaging is very clear. The Fed's going to continue to do something, and the problem with that is, yeah, that's when something breaks. When you continue with that messaging and you continue to do that. And there's a there's an issue of credibility as well by the Fed. I mean, if they change their their narrative, and we don't get to the two percent target, they kind of put themselves in a hole in the, in, in the corner. And I think they have to continue with that messaging. And uh, when they do change, or if they do change, I think that's going to happen uh, no earlier than 2024. George, the area that we always watch for this is the is credit. Right. And equity investors, I think, since the advent of the high yield bond market, have really learn to take their cues from what's going on in the more speculative parts of the credit market regarding overall market health and uh, economic health. And you know, I, I threw a couple charts in the key charts this week to highlight the fact that while we are seeing some, some stress in credit, when you take a look at the more speculative parts of the market, the triple C's relative to, to, to uh, single B, uh, area we're seeing that spread continue to just grind higher. Um, it's not at levels that we saw back during the the COVID bottoms, but it is just continuously grinding wider. That that is not sending a good message about the the health of the more speculative portions of the credit market. 
But that said, I mean, if you look at the total number of distressed issuers, total number of distressed issuers is still at a, at a fairly relatively low level, even though the, the number of distressed issuers is up off of the cycle lows. Um, and if you look at the historical peaks, whether it was COVID or whether it was 2008 or whether it was even before that, total number of distressed issuers just blows out when we have these types of, of uh, policy error type of events by the Fed where they break something. So, I mean, I'm continuing, continuing to watch that, that these credit measures, various credit measures very closely for signs that, that we are starting to see stress creep into the system. Right now, it's a, it's a mixed bag. We're seeing some things that are telling you that there's stresses and then other things that are not. I think we, we, once we get a clear signal there, um, we'll, we'll, obviously, we'll be in the teeth of it. Well, point, it's interesting uh, when that... we have those, I'm sorry, Rajiv, I was going to say something really quickly, but um, when we have those moments where, where things do get a little bit, um, I don't know, they, they go haywire, for lack of a better term, and we have these big blowouts, as you talked about, Steve, you know, usually the forward returns are pretty good for, for risk assets. You know, corporate bonds do pretty well after that. Equities do pretty well. So it's going to feel probably painful if we, we see that happen. But the prospective returns 12 months hence are usually pretty good. Um, and the, in the near term, we probably got to digest some earnings. So what do you think, Steve, the market's going to do with earnings coming up um, in the next few weeks or so? I mean, we've already seen that estimates come down, as you said. But have we priced enough bad news in or what's your thoughts on the earnings season now that it's just a um, you know, few days upon us? I think we're, we're earnings season will start in earnest in another week toward the end of the week when we get bank earnings. Um, I, I think that we are going to see earnings numbers continue to come down just as they have been over the last month or so. Um, earnings, you know, expectations and and. Uh, in my view, it's it's finally starting to re, uh, recalibrate things that we've seen from a macro perspective where, um, you know, we've seen the ISMs weaken, we've seen global exports weaken, we, we've seen earnings surprises all heading lower. Those three things, ISM, global exports, and earnings surprises all correlate very well for leading relationships for the direction of S&P 500 earnings growth, and all are telling us that earnings growth is going to weaken. So I, I think we will finally get a, a, a bit of a religious revelation on part of the analysts as we head into to, to four-quarter earnings, and we're going to start to see numbers get marked down. So I, I think it's going to be a difficult earnings season this year uh, for, for the third quarter. Um, very clearly, uh, the, the, the thing that has just jumped out to me here lately has been this raft of semiconductor pre-announcements. I mean, they are, they are telling you that things are changing and things are changing very rapidly. And given the proliferation of semiconductors and devices, whether it's cars, whether it's PCs, phones, everything, I mean, they're literally in everything. So when semiconductor companies are telling you that there's a demand slowdown, People need to listen, um, and I, I think that this is really going to start to to play into the, the the forward outlook that we that analysts have. I think the other thing we could uh, try to point to in, in the near term is the uh, the election cycle, right? Um, we would probably be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that starting really next week or so, it's going to be a pretty busy time in China, where they're entering their what they call their political time, I think, and there's going to be a, a lot of potentially a lot of news, maybe it's not necessarily market moving news, but a lot of noise and news with respect to what's happening in, in China that we'll have to pay attention to. But beyond that, of course, we'll roll into our midterms uh, in early November. We've got a special call coming up next week to talk about that. But historically, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, um, the markets tend to rally 
after an election, Steve. I mean, that's been kind of the, the historical norm. I'm not sure if that's going to play out this time with some of these headwinds we've talked about, but you know, there's always a chance that we get a bit of a year-end a year relief rally. It might not be a really durable rally, but you might get a chance for some relief points um, after we get the, through that election date in early November. 100% correct, George. I mean, when you take a look at the way that the seasonal pattern typically plays out, whether it's a midterm year or a presidential year, you get your low in the second week of October, and then you rally into year end as the lifting of uncertainty uh, occurs, right? So um, while most uh, political pundits think they have a pretty good handle on what's going to happen um, on election day in November, uh, as we as we get that lifting of the veil of uncertainty, markets continue to uh, con mar markets should you know theoretically have a good end of the year. So let's come back to Rajiv real quick. And if we think about the calendar, taking into consideration all the information about the jobs report and everything else that's going into the economy, the Fed meets and has their press release on November 2nd. And the week after that is the election. So what are your thoughts about the potential Fed actions as they go into their November meeting? Oh, I think that uh, that meeting is going to be very telling. I think it's going to be 75 basis points like we're, we're all predicting. But I think what's going to happen in that meeting is the reiteration of the fact that the Fed's on course uh, to continue raising rates. And what we're seeing in the market right now is this notion that we've seen it before, where the market's starting to believe that the Fed's gonna pause. The Fed is not telegraphing that message at all. And uh, again, there's a disconnect between the markets and the Fed's messaging. And I think uh, until that gets resolved, volatility continues. As we conclude today's podcast, we ask the question, what does this all mean for investors? And the answer is it's safe to say that we'll probably see volatility continue in both the stock and bond markets through the remainder of the next month until we get to the Federal Reserve meeting on November 2nd and then the election the week thereafter. And then we'll see if uncertainty has been removed and where it will take us for the remainder of the year. So George, Stephen, and Rajiv, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.